This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And those four will arrive at the top of the stretch together. On the far outside, it's Glitter Woman. Blushing Katie is driving to the front. And Blushing Katie is opening up. Shot can't it out sharply. And Tommy Sue's the light coming with giant strides. On the far outside, Storm Song towards the rail. They're in the final furlong of the 123rd Kentucky Oaks. And it's Blushing Katie, a three-length lead. Tommy Sue's the light moving belatedly on the outside. Under the line. Blushing Katie has won. She wins by two and a half. Tommy Sue's the light comes from well out of it. And Shark Cat. Now, here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we bring you live action from around the country as well as other fun stuff in the world of thoroughbred racing. We've got live racing today from Gulfstream Park Fairgrounds. Might get some laurel action in, and actually they're headed to the gate for race seven on the card at Tampa Bay Downs. That's where we are going to start. Race number seven on the card. 68 degrees, cloudy skies in Oldsmar, Florida right now. Main track fast, turf course firm, and race number seven is on the turf. One mile the distance, an allowance event for fillies and mares that are non-winners of one other than scratch numbers three and six. Have a big field of nine going to post here. All eyes on number five, Diamond Hands for Christophe Clement and Sammy Camacho. This is the one that was uh, began her career in the Clement barn, was moved over to Todd Pletcher's barn, and she's been there for her last seven starts or so. She's now back in the hands of Christophe Clement and uh, figures to be a major player in this race simply because she's been facing what seems like tougher competition most of her career, all of her starts for Todd Pletcher were what you would consider against tough uh, on tougher circuits, either in South Florida at the Gulfstream meet during last year's championship meet or the rest of the time up at Saratoga, Aqueduct or Belmont. So now back to Tampa Bay Downs. She's never run Tampa Bay Downs, uh, but you would think in general. Uh, the racing at those other uh, locations uh, most of the time is a little bit stronger than what you're going to see at Tampa. So gets back to Tampa Bay Downs, maybe looking for a little bit of, um, uh, what is it, a confidence builder, as it were. And uh, we'll see if Diamond Hands is in the right hands today as Christophe Clement uh, ships her from his home base at Payson Park during this winter part of the year up to Tampa Bay Downs. He runs a lot of horses at Tampa and wins a lot of races up there and uh, looks like he's going to have a big shot with this one who's usually on or near the lead the blinkers coming off this daughter of frosted today but is still expect her to be forwardly placed here's jason beam with race seven at tampa and they're in the gate and our race is on angela's party girl got out quickly diamond hands the favorite away in good order lorraine's legacy Moving up toward the outside, and also Singalong Kayla really wants the lead, and Jorge Vargas Jr. and Singalong Kayla going to grab that lead by the wire the first time around. Quickly open up two on Angela's Party Girls. Two and a half more then, back to tap it up, Lorraine's Legacy. They really string out here behind a speedy pace. Diamond Hands is in behind that with Fachibella Double Cosmo Girl three deep in the yellow colors. It's another length then back to Perfectly Golden, another three Back to Irazu, who trails. Up front, 22 seconds flat. They are going quickly. Singalong Kayla, they're going to try to slow it down now up front, a length in front. Angela's party girl in the second spot. It's two more then. Back to tap it up, who's under a good hold in third. Lorraine's Legacy's toward the inside, starting to advance a touch as the favorite Diamond Hands is in between runners right now, is up to fourth in those gold colors. After that comes Double Cosmo Girl out wide. Fachibella starting to make some ground with Perfectly Golden. Still nothing yet from Irazu. 
46 and 2. So they were a little slowed down a little bit, but sing along Kayla has company now. Angela's party girl draws to within three quarters of a length. And once again, sing along Kayla lets it out a notch. Sing along Kayla length and a half in front now to Angela's party girl. Staying to the inside is Diamond Hands. Tap it up, starts to launch out three deep. Double Cosmo Girls fifth right now, and about two and a half off the speed. Sing along Kayla with company now. Diamond Hands between horses. Out three deep, tap it up. Four wide here for Double Cosmo Girl as Diamond Hands comes after the lead. Tap it up on the outside. Faccia Bella just in behind, going to look for a seam. Double Cosmo Girl down the outside. A final 16th to go. Diamond Hands just in front. Double Cosmo Girl right down the crown of the track. Faccia Bella up the inside. It's Diamond Hands still there. Double Cosmo Girl. Diamond Hands going to prevail. Double Cosmo Girl was second. Faccia Bella third. Fourth went to tap it up. Fifth was close. It might have been perfectly golden over Iratsu. Final time, 135-4, and four. order of finish, 5-4-1-9. Despite not getting the lead, number five, Diamond Hands, was just too good for this field. Sitting mid-pack early on behind a fast early pace, guided into contention by jockey Sammy Camacho, and on to victory by about a length in race seven at Tampa. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. Uh, once again, welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby. Uh, if you'd like to call in, be part of the show, feel free to do so. 888-966-HRRN is the number. You can always email me directly as well, bobby at horseracingradio.net. That's B-O-B-B-Y. I try to answer all of my emails, not necessarily during the show, but I will get to you at some point very, very soon. Uh, Over at Gulfstream Park, ninth and final race on their Friday card is just about a minute away. 72 degrees right now here in South Florida, cloudy skies, and they're on the synthetic track for this ninth and final race on the card. Uh, We've got a field of 10 after the scratch of number six, Knight Saber, who, by the way, was 5-2 to two on the morning line. Mile and 70 yards, the distance, conditioned $16,000 claimers. They're fillies and mares that are all non-winners of two races lifetime. There are four of them here in between the odds of 3-1 to one and 9-2 to two in the wagering. In fact, five of them at this point. Slight favorite right now is number nine, Cardio Princess, for Mark Cassie and Edgar Zayas. Uh, been facing a little bit tougher competition most of her career drops from the conditioned $35,000 claimers last time out into the $16,000 tag today. Uh, she was 5-2 to two sprinting against Tougher last time out and was just kind of a midfield fourth, basically running, uh, you know, about four or five lengths off the leaders most of the way around the track. I guess the biggest question mark for Cardio Princess is what is she going to do at this distance? I don't know if she's ever run around two turns in her career, but she certainly bred to run all day, being by heart's cry out of a see the stars mare. In fact, I, you know, the breeding itself makes you wonder why she ever sprinted, but obviously the trainers know, know a little bit more than I do, and if uh, Mark Cassie and his team thought that Cardio Princess should be sprinting, then she probably should be sprinting, and the fact that she's now dropping and routing more likely than not means they are searching for something with this filly, trying to figure out what can wake her up and what is in her wheelhouse to really find her best races. She is ticked up to 7-2 to two right now, co-favored with number four, Confer, uh, for Laura Cazares and jockey Paco Lopez, who's winning races in bunches uh, lately at Gulfstream Park. Confer, uh, coming off a syn- uh, synthetic track race last time out, finished third, only beaten four and a half lengths. Uh, has been that broke up a in fact didn't break up that's five straight races for confer that she has been in the money although she hasn't won so she is a money making machine overall 
in the money, eight of 12 career tries, and obviously uh, enjoys running on the synthetic track at Gulfstream Park. Uh, she's a, a filly who is usually in a stalking position, two, three lengths back early on, and tries to make up ground, and she just doesn't have been able to make up enough ground to get the win of late, but uh, she has been knocking on the door and certainly makes a lot of sense in this spot. Checking the other tracks, we're about uh, nine or ten minutes away from the sixth at Fairgrounds and uh, maybe able to get some Laurel in as well. They're about 14 minutes away from post time. But uh, taking their time and kind of uh, dragging their feet for the finale at Gulfstream Park, giving everyone their last chances to uh, get their wagers in. By the way, gives us time to say a few things. First of all, top of the show, we heard the stretch run of the 1997 edition of the Blushing uh, of the Kentucky Oaks, won by Blushing KD, and there is a race named in her honor tomorrow at Fairgrounds. Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about all eight of tomorrow's fairground stakes as part of our Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. They are drawing the opening day card. In fact, they just started drawing the opening day card for Santa Anita right now. I wish they would have done this earlier. All these other tracks, Gulfstream drawing a week in advance, fairgrounds like seven or eight days in advance. Opening day at Santa Anita is such a big deal right now, and they're not, they haven't been racing in Southern California, so it's not like they're overloaded with uh, you know, uh, other things that they had to do uh, on, at a certain time frame. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that they did not draw opening day at Santa Anita two or three days ago. So those of us who want you know, to get our hands on these PPs and dive into the six graded stakes they've got as well as whatever else is on, on tap on opening day can do so. And we don't have to wait till Friday night uh, to do it because, let's face it, a lot of people going out Friday night, going out Saturday, uh, and then you get Sunday being Christmas Eve and Monday being Christmas. And long story short, uh, you know, I, I, maybe there's a good reason for it. Uh, nobody's told me, and, of course, nobody asked me my permission either way. Um, but uh, if it were my decision, I think I would have drawn opening day ent- the entries at Santa Anita uh, more than the customary three or four days in advance. All right, they have arrived at the starting gate for this ninth race at Gulfstream. Also today, uh, we're going to talk, speaking of Santa Anita, we're going to speak with Jeff Chapman. He's a VIP player host out there at the Great Race Place. And uh, he's going to fill us in on what's going on with the upcoming Santa Anita meet. Also going to get you my favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. Got Bob Nastanovich's favorites yesterday. I think we played four or five of them. Great memories, uh, some recent, some not so recent. You're going to get the same thing from me. A lot of them that you're going to have to kind of go in the way back machine uh, and see some that were in my formative years if you will, and we will start uh, with some of my Breeders' Cup races. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do it right after this Gulfstream Park race. Loading in for the finale at Gulfstream Park. Just a few left to go in. The five-bullet Valentina, 35-1, to one, going center of the gate, waiting for 11 Grandma's Pudding, one of the seven to two shots right now in the wagering. Angel Rodriguez and Jose Ortiz. Here's Pete Aiello. And runners away. 
From the center, Bullet Valentina gets the first call with Cardio Princess and Grandma's Pudding looking to get over from the outside. In between horses, Dream Trap is away in the top four. Saving ground into fifth is Crimson Princess. Confer is on hers outside. Then it's Queen Damar with Amunet saving ground while a bit keen toward the rail. Longshot Gratia is ahead of only one, and that's stuck in Malibu. From the far outside gate, Grandma's Pudding now going quickly to clear the inside traffic and lead onto the backstretch run from second running Cardio Princess. At the rail, that's Bullet Valentina in early third. Outside Dream Trap is fourth, racing fifth while angling off the inside a touch is Crimson Princess, then Queen Damar and Confer. Amunet saving ground toward the rail. It's a very neatly grouped field. Out the back, the trailer is stuck in Malibu. Now back to Gratia, who's just at the back of the field. 48 seconds for the opening half mile. Stacking and packing to the fore turn. Grandma's pudding has the lead. Cardio Princess is a closer second. Queen Damar on the outside third. Bridge Mahan threaded through traffic on Crimson Princess. He's not out of the woods yet on her, though. He needs to find a way through. From the outside, it's stuck in Malibu. Underway from the back is Amunet as Cardio Princess has made the lead. To the top of the stretch, it's Cardio Princess the target. Loose now is Crimson Princess. Amunet's on her back. Dropping back as Grandma's putting through three quarters in 12 and 1. Off the turn and the stretch drive. Cardio Princess has to deal with Amunet, who's charging to challenge with an eighth of a mile left. Down the center in Crimson Princess. From fourth, it's stuck in Malibu. Eighth of a mile to go. Amunet striding forward to take the lead. From the inside, it's Cardio Princess who's back to second. Confers into third. Amunet in front. Amunet by two in the end. Cardio Princess with second. Confer finished third. Crimson Princess fourth off a good trip in 140 and one. Unofficially 1943 in the ninth race at Gulfstream Park. Amunet Jorge Ruiz aboard the Mike Matz trainee closing strongly down the lane to get the job done at odds of six to one. All right, time for my first of my favorite Breeders' Cup moments of all time. This is my favorite Breeders' Cup sprint in all time. Let's go to the Wayback Machine and hear the race that I loved. They're off. Smile is away quickly for the lead. Charging Falls is there. There goes Mount Livermore. Mount Livermore sprints clear quickly now by a length. Charging Falls is trying to stay with them. Precision is toward the inside. Smile is sent after the lead from the outside from fourth. Ziggy's boy came away racing in fifth. 56 in a row is sixth. Al Salah is seventh on the inside. On the outside there goes Al Salah now beginning to move up. Committed is now moving through toward the inside from 10th position. On the outside, Villacaya now racing in 11th. Pancho Villa is 12th at this point, fighting fit. He's putting in his run on the inside now. Then Vicarm is next. Entremy is far back in the field, along with Key to the Moon. And now the field comes to the top of the stretch. Mount Livermore on the inside. Smile is right at his neck. Here comes Precisionist, and he's charging down the middle of the racetrack. And then by the back, the mayor committed his racing in fourth. They're inside the final furlong. Smile, Mount Livermore. Precision is surging. Smile, a short blade. Precision is down the outside. Mount Livermore toward the rail. What a finish. Here comes Precisionist to snatch the victory in the final strides. And there is Precisionist. He was the winner, stalking the early pace. And it was a quick one. 22 flat, 44 and 4. And the final time for this six furlongs, 108 and 2. Chris McCarron and Precisionist to win the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Trained by Ross Fenstermaker, ridden by Chris McCarron, owned by the late Fred Hooper, Precisionist, the second ever Breeders' Cup Sprint, and the only time it was ever run at Aqueduct. 1985 was the year Precisionist 
got the job done. He was a horse that I loved growing up in Southern California. He actually ran in the Breeders' Cup Sprint three times during his career. He won it in 85. I think he was third the next year in 86 and off the board in 1988. In fact, I think he ran in it four times. I, I think he ran in the first one in 84 at Hollywood Park as well. He was the champion sprinter, Eclipse Award winner in 1985. And the thing that was amazing about Precision is, well, a few things. One, he was obviously very good. Two, he ran 46 times in his career, and he won 20 of those 46 races and was second 10 other times. He was a horse that was good enough to sweep the Stroop Series uh, back in 84, 85, the, the Malibu um, and the San Fernando and the Stroop, which unfortunately there is no more Stroop Series in Southern California. He was good enough uh, to run in the, in the Santa Anita Derby when he was a three-year-old, obviously good enough to win the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and then was a major player going a mile and a quarter in the Santa Anita Handicap the following year in 1986. And what I remember, he, he didn't, he ended up finishing off the board, but he was a big place player. Uh, I think he was favored in the race. And for some reason, I remember that he worked six furlongs in 108 and three, like six or seven days before the big cap, which was the big question mark. The is that too fast for him to work before he's going to run a mile and a quarter against the best horses in the country? And uh, whether that's the reason or not, it, he, it turned out that running a mile and a quarter in the big cap six or seven days beyond that, you know, lightning fast work didn't work out. Um, I think they had like 80,000 people at Santa Anita that day. But Precisionist, my favorite Breeders' Cup sprint memory back in 1985 winning out at Aqueduct. Let's get out to the track for another live race fairground. Sixth race is uh, upon us here. 67 degrees in New Orleans, mostly cloudy skies, main track fast, turf course firm, and sixth race is on the turf, five and a half furlongs the distance. It's a, it's for two-year-olds that are non-winners of two races lifetime or in for a claiming tag of $100,000. And there are actually uh, three of the 11 in this race that are in for the $100,000 tag. This is a tough race to handicap. How tough? 7-2 to two is the favorite right now. On number two, Hidden Class for Joe Sharp and Jamie Torres. Uh, impressive win uh, against uh, Allowance Foes on the turf at Kentucky Downs back in August. Uh, coming off a very poor effort on the sloppy main track at Churchill in her most recent start. It was so bad, it probably means nothing. She's getting Lasix for the first time today and getting back to what probably is her preferred surface. There are other ones taking play in here. The Nine Coes, C-O-W-E-S, who broke her maiden uh, on the turf at Saratoga last summer and uh, has been running in stakes competition ever since. Other ones getting play as well. Pretty wide open event for these two-year-olds sprinting on the lawn out at fairgrounds. Just a few left to go in. Classic power. Deshaun Parker aboard moves in. Lemon Meringue, one from the outside. James Graham going up. And uh, they're just hesitating a little bit behind the gate. Uh, 11 Vitamin, the finale or the final one to load in for the Keneally and Brian Hernandez duo. John Dooley has the call of race six at the fairgrounds. They're off and sprinting. Cows broke sharp. Cows going out toward the lean. Vito Mont comes with an early bid. Classic power at big odds. Also part of the 
Battle for the pace, and Classic Power has the lead here for Deshaun Parker. Tracked by Cows, Vitamont gets position running in third. Aspenite toward the inside has the white cap with on the outside. Tipsy Tails running in fifth. Then toward the inside is Gone Elvis running in sixth. With in between horses, Awesome Ruta and Spongebath. The gray is looking to gain on the extreme outside. Awesome Ruta is bearing out through the turn. Then toward the inside, the Philly hitting class as they come past the quarter pole. We throw back to victory for Vets, and finally, the Meringue. These two rolls have straightened away. It's Classic Power as they come down toward the final furlong. Classic Power, Cows, with on the outside, Vitamont. Charging hard now. Aspenite tipped to the far outside as they come down toward the final half furlong. Here comes Vitamont with toward the inside. Classic power narrowly. Classic power. Vitamont now surging for Brian Hernandez Jr. It's Vitamont. Vitamont gains the advantage close to home. Vitamont's victory over Classic Power. Aspenite was third. Cows finished fourth. Number 11, Vitamont, or Vitamint as I called it probably erroneously uh, before the race. Gets the job done, closing on the outside and uh, going on by number five, Classic Power, who was a big price at 46-1 to one and hanging in real tough in his fairgrounds debut, but second best to the 8-1 to one shot, Vitamont, who gets the job done, 11-5-4-9, the unofficial top four in that sixth race at fairgrounds. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, all your prices from Tampa, Gulfstream, Fairgrounds. We've got more live racing to come and more Wayback Machine with some of my favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning. The cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Kids, they're just different than us. They have no inhibitions, consider silverware optional, and can find fun anywhere. And when kids get really sick, they're different than us too. Until now... Children diagnosed with blood cancer have been treated like many adults. Not anymore. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society proudly introduces the Dare to Dream Project, transforming treatment and care through advocacy, education, and the largest global clinical trial for kids with blood cancer. For the first time, a specific treatment can be matched to a specific type of cancer in a specific child. It'll be the biggest medical advancement for little patients in history. Dare to dream with us. Support the Dare to Dream Project and all the work that the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society does at LLS.org. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. 
<laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Want to get the latest HRRN content directly on your computer or mobile device? Then subscribe to our podcast using the Podbean app or Apple Podcasts. Just go to hrrn.podbean.com on your computer and click follow or download the Podbean app and search HRRN. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and listen to our latest episodes anytime. Don't miss a thing. Subscribe to our podcasts today. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Lone Tree has the lead by two lengths. Mr. Prospector second by a length and three quarters. Full Pocket is third ahead. Along the inside, El Espanoleto is fourth. Tap the tree fifth. Infuriator six torsion is next. Into the stretch. It's Lone Tree holding on to the lead by a length. On the outside, Mr. Prospector coming on to challenge. At the eighth pole, Mr. Prospector on the outside gets the lead. Lone Tree second, full pocket third, and Infuriator on the inside. It's Mr. Prospector in front. Welcome back. Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. That was the stretch call of the 1974 Gravesend Handicap run at Belmont Park. This year's Gravesend, I think, actually takes place next week at Aqueduct, but there is a uh, Mr. Prospector won the Gravesend back in 1974. I believe it was the final victory in his racing career. He was a very good racehorse, but uh, when he got to the breeding shed is when he really shone in certainly one of, if not the best uh, stallions of the last 50 years. He is certainly in the conversation and he is a stallion and a stallion maker, and he was just phenomenal as far as uh, the bloodlines go with uh, generations to come uh, from Mr. Prospector. Uh, race, by the way, named in his honor tomorrow at Gulfstream Park. It's a race that um, actually started off, I believe, as the Hallandale Handicap back in the mid-'70s. It was either Hallandale Handicap, Hallandale Stakes, kind of bounced back and forth between being a handicap and the stakes, and it became the Mr. Prospector, I believe, in 2009 and this year's Mr. Prospector takes place tomorrow uh, out at Gulfstream. One of four stakes, by the way, tomorrow at Gulfstream Park makes up an all-stakes pick four, and uh, Bob Nastanovich and I are going to talk about all four of those Gulfstream stakes on tonight's Amwager Weekend Stakes preview starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Oh, you some prices from just about everywhere, so we're going to start over at Tampa Bay Downs where the seventh race on the card was won by the favorite number five, Diamond Hands, a four-year-old Bay Philly by Frosted out of the not-for-love mare Love Cove, owned by LSU Stables, trying by Christophe Clement, Sammy Camacho, the winning rider on Diamond Hands, who paid 340 260 and 220 Second, four, Double Cosmo Girl, $8, Third one, Facha Bella, $4 to show. Fourth, number nine, Tap It Up. Exact of seventeen sixty, the try fifteen seventy five dollars super one hundred ninety three dollars and seventy cents. Over at Gulfstream Park, ninth and final race on the card went to the one Amunet. Amunet, a uh, four year old. I wonder if it's Amunet. 
Eh, he said Aminette. We're going to go with Aminette. Uh, four-year-old Bay Philly by American Pharaoh out of the forest Wildcat Mare Sunlight Cat, owned by Running Moore Racing and trained by Mike Matz with Jorge Ruiz in the Irons. Number one, Aminette. 1460, 660, and 460. Second, nine, Cardio Princess, 520, 360. Third, four, Confer, 320 to show. Fourth, number three, Crimson Princess. Exacta, 9140. The Tri, $93.45. Dollar Super, $700.80. Over at Fairgrounds, results of their sixth race have been posted official. The 11 of Vidamont. The getting the job done, Vidamont, a two-year-old chestnut colt by Mizzen Mast, out of the discreet Catmare, showed up late, owned by Showdown Kings the second, and Richard Donwith, Eddie Keneally the trainer, Brian Hernandez Jr. the rider. Vidamont paid eighteen dollars nine sixty five eighty. Second five classic power, thirty dollars to play, seventeen forty to show. Third four Aspenite, three eighty to show, and fourth was number nine, Cows or Cows. I have no idea. Exacta five seventy six sixty. The try one thousand four hundred sixty dollars twenty cents. Dollar super ten thousand five hundred thirty one dollars and thirty cents. All right, scanning the globe as it were to see uh, where we are post time wise for these other tracks. Next live race is coming up from Tampa Bay Downs. They're about four minutes away from the eighth race there. Uh, we've got plenty of time for fairgrounds. Might try to get some laurel in if we have time there as well. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking with Jeff Chapman, VIP player host at Santa Anita in just a little bit. Talk about the upcoming uh, winter spring meet at Santa Anita that begins on Tuesday. And uh, also have plenty more of my favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time to get to. Oh, uh, by the way, before I forget, so yesterday on our brisnet.com call-in show, we had a gentleman call in who has a DRF Bets account. And apparently, if you have a DRF Bets account, uh, they do not allow you to wager on Churchill Downs' own tracks, whether it's Churchill or Fairgrounds or whatever. And he was asking why, and neither James Scully nor I had a great answer for him, other than we know that the Racing Form and Churchill Downs have had some sort of a beef for the the last several years, right? Now you can't even buy a racing form, I think, if you're at Churchill. You get their PPs, and uh, uh, apparently it's, you know, it has something to do with money. Somebody either charging the other one too much or claiming that, you know, the rate is too high or whatever it is. And, um, but we didn't have a very good answer. Uh, Thankfully, I had a gentleman email me later yesterday, and he said, all you have to do is have DRF Bets customer service switch your account over to their Express Bet side. It's pretty simple. It's what he does. Um, I don't have a DRF Bets account, so I didn't know this was something that's possible. But uh, if you're in this boat or if the gentleman is listening who had this issue yesterday, call DRF Bets customer service and do what I was told to do here. Ask to switch your account over to the Express Bet side and then you get access to all of them. Now, I will say this. Uh, the brisnet.com call-in show, Brisnet and Twin Spires are kind of a 1 in 1A entry. Um, even if I had this information, I don't think I would be promoting switch, you know, switching something to Express. You know, that's just not real good business. But uh, don't have to worry about doing it right now. So uh, there is the answer and my thanks 
to the gentleman who emailed in. I don't want to give your name, but uh, thank you for that information. It was great, and I, hopefully it will help uh, people who are in that same situation as the gentleman who called in yesterday. Over at Tampa Bay Downs, we are getting close to post time for race number eight on the card. Six furlongs on the fast main track. It's an allowance optional claiming event for three-year-olds and up, non-winners of two other than, or in for a claiming tag of $32,000. Six furlongs the distance, once again, scratch numbers one, four, and six. Field of nine going to post here. The favorite is number 12, Mish, for Safi Joseph Jr. and Sammy Camacho. Safi Joseph does not, he, he does from time to time, and usually for the bigger races, send horses to Tampa, but not regularly. You know, his horses stay down at Gulfstream Park, and I think he might have a, you know, have a string in New York or something like that, but uh, they pretty much stay away from Tampa, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons is the purses are much better at Gulfstream than they are at Tampa, but uh, when he does send horses to Tampa, they're usually well-meant. I think he's only sent two to Tampa thus far this meet, and uh, one of them won. The other one finished second. Mish is coming off a narrow defeat against Similar competition going a one-turn mile at Gulfstream in his most recent start where he went to the lead and just got nailed in the final jump or two as the 7-5 to five favorite lost by a head that day. Uh, so a, a, a very good effort in defeat. Uh, he has run at Tampa once in his career. He ran second. It was a, a while ago. I think he's a better horse now than he was then. And uh, Mish is a horse who doesn't have to have the lead to run his best. He, he does need to be forwardly placed. He's not a horse who's going to regularly close from four, five, six, seven lengths out of it and get the job done. But he did uh, win from f- length second early on at seven furlongs, two starts back at Gulfstream. Uh, he was a length back in the early stages and then just uh, drove to the lead on the turn to the top of the stretch and opened up a big lead and cruised on to win. So uh, obviously a, a talented runner. He's been in the money 15 of 25 career starts, and uh, he goes for good connections in Sappy Joseph and Sammy Camacho. Six to five right now, the price on number 12, Mish. Second choice is the eight, Boracho for Jamie Ness and Michael Sanchez. Boracho has been racing... Uh, in the Maryland area, lots of races at Laurel, some Pimlico, some Delaware Park mixed in there. And uh, he's another one that has speed. Um, even more so than Mish, I think Baracho needs the lead to really have his best chance. Uh, you know, if these two hook up, I guess somebody screwy could come running by them all. Um, you've got other speed in here, like number two, Capture the Lion, who goes to the front almost every time. He goes to the races. Number five, Feast, is never too far back, although he doesn't need the lead to win. He won from just off the pace last time out. I think the pace is going to be hot in here, and the question is, what, is somebody going to be, be able to outfoot the other front runners, or are they going to be lining up on the front end and setting it up for somebody to come from behind, or is it just going to be one of those uh, real fast early and real slow late kind of stagger fests? down to the line, similar to what we saw in uh, Remington Springboard. My boy, it was a strange night at Remington Park uh, when they had the springboard last Friday. Uh, it was uh, it had rained, the track was muddy, and the inside and the speed was real good. And um, I, I don't know what we can make out of some of those races because, let's face it, horses that were trying to close had no chance of closing that night. And you had other horses like... 
Glenn Gary and Otto the Conqueror that were just going balls out as fast as they could early on and were staggering late. Here's the eighth at Tampa. Mish is acting up there on the inside. And our race is on. Good start nonetheless for Mish, who sprints out to the early advantage, but quickly joined on the inside by Crocodile Hunter. And Crocodile Hunter up to grab the early lead. Capture the line, Mish. They're now second, third between them. Feast is fourth in a tight spot between runners. Then comes Saratoga Banker, where Paradise lay. Spy Hunter's on the move in between runners. The two at the back are Impacto and Baracho as Crocodile Hunter at a big price takes them up the back stretch. Mish at a short price now up to second. They're lining up outside of that one, though. Spy Hunter, Saratoga Banker, four wide. Going to be a five-wide trip here for where Paradise lay as they run into the turn. 22 seconds for that opening quarter mile. Mish right up alongside of Crocodile Hunter. Spy Hunter a length back in the third spot. Cutting the corner there as Baracho's made up some ground. It's where Paradise Lace continues out wide. Impacto is starting to run on from the back in the orange colors. As they wind around to the top of the stretch, Mish the leader. Crocodile Hunter still a neck back in second. Spy Hunter is third. Here's Impacto. Swings to the outside for the drive in behind horses. Baracho. Mish starting to edge away, though, at the eighth pole. It's Mish in front by two and a half lengths. Impacto down the outside. Capture the line. Mish still there with a 16th to go. Impacto down on the inside. Spy Hunter and late from Capture the Lion, but Mish going to go on to win it here. Mish wins it by two. Impacto was second. Third went to Capture the Lion. Fourth went to Spy Hunter and fifth feast. Unofficially 12-7-2-9. The top four finishers in the eighth at Tampa. Number 12, Mish coming out of those races against Tougher Company at Gulfstream Park. Ships up north to Tampa Bay Downs. Says thank you very much and gets the job done in the uh, allowance optional claiming event and gets the winner's share of the $54,000 purse. Final time for the six furlongs was 109 and three. All right, we are going to go back in time now. Look back at another one of my favorite Breeders' Cup memories of all time. This is going to be one that's high on a lot of people's lists. Let's go back and look at my favorite Breeders' Cup juvenile race. Ready for the start in the juvenile, and they're off, and Bertrando comes out running. Agincourt is right there, and on the outside, it's Starry Coot. But it is Bertrando, Alex Solis, intent on the lead, and he wins the race into the first turn. He's there by a length and a half. Star Recruit and Bag in post pursuit. Agincourt saving ground all the way. Devil on Ice was five ride, rounding the first turn. Showbrook is now racing sixth in between horses. Pine Bluff is under a firm hold at the inside, racing seventh. Big Sur is eighth on the outside. Onlooker is ninth. Try to watch is tenth. He's about ten lengths off the lead, and he's launching a bid now from the back of the pack. Then it's Dance Floor farther back. Snappy landing, and Arazi, the European star, is a dozen lengths from the front as Offbeat trails the field as they continue midway down the backstretch. Bertrando coasting on an uncontested lead, and he's moving at a quick pace. The quarter in 23 and 1. He gets a half in 46 and 3 fifths seconds. It is still Bertrando out there unchallenged. He leads by two. Long shot, Agincourt still chasing second. Pine Bluff is only three lengths for the lead. Arazi hits his best stride, and there goes the European star, Arazi, and he's coming with a menacing rush to Bertrando, and now the stage is set as they move toward the top of the stretch, and Arazi runs right by him. Arazi with a dramatic move as the field turns for home. He's wide into the stretch. Bertrando stunned at the inside with the move here of Arazi, and he's pouring it on. Just incredible move as they come to the top of the stretch by four now. And then it's Bertrando, who is now a discouraged second by the back. It is snappy landing, and they're coming down to the finish here. Here, indeed, 
is a superstar. A Rousey, absolutely brilliant. He was taken under a hard hold to win it here by five, and he could have won by 10, perhaps. And Bertrando was second. Absolutely sensational. I can tell you that I did not bet a Rousey in the 1991 edition of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile well, that was held at Churchill Downs. I'm pretty sure I bet try to watch uh, for Carl Domino, another one of the um, Fred Hooper runners, and he was terrible in that race. I think Cordero rode him. Uh, but Arazi was phenomenal, uh, an eye-catching performance, first try on dirt, shipping over from Europe, and the Francois Bouton trainee for the team of, I believe, uh, Sheikh Mohammed and Alan Paulson getting the job done under Pat Valenzuela, P-Val, my favorite rider of all time. Uh, still mad that I didn't bet this one, but listen, he's 2-1. to one. It's not like he won it 30-1 to one, one like that. Uh, but that move that he made, listen, anytime you can catch the finale of 3,000. Tom Durkin off guard a little bit. Uh, something big has happened. And that's what Arazi did because he made that move that looked like he had every right to completely stall and flatten out after passing uh, everyone except Bertrando. And as Tom Durkin said, and he ran right by him. And not only did he run right by him, he ran by him and opened up six at the top of the stretch and cruised home as you heard there in the call, to win by five. Uh, unfortunately, Arazi, um, he, he never turned out to be much after that. He did win the Eclipse Award as the champion two-year-old Colt in 1991. But after winning the Juvenile, I mean, he, he won two more times. He did win a Group 2 at Longchamp, so it's not like he was a slug after that. But he came back in the Kentucky Derby as a three-year-old, and he was kind of a non-menacing eighth in the race. And then we saw him, I believe, also later that year in the Breeders' Cup Mile on turf, and he was no factor there at all. Um, he was a really, in my opinion, and this is not for sure, but in my opinion, he was a fantastically good two-year-old that did not improve to his three-year-old season. He was still good enough to win a couple races, as a three-year-old, and there, there's a filly that ran whatever it was five, ten years ago who was very similar to me. Do you remember Newspaper of Record? Newspaper of Record was so good as a two-year-old filly, and to me, she just was the same as a three-year-old, and all these other three-year-old fillies kind of caught up to her and some kind of went by her, um, and, and that's what I think happened with Arazi and why he, he was not as dominant, in, in fact, not dominant at all, in 1992, but he certainly was dominant in that 1991 edition of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. All right, while we've got juveniles on our mind, let's go back in time and look at my favorite Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies race of all time. Heels sent on their way in the Juvenile Phillies. Pursuit of Glory broke just a little sideways. Quickest in to stride is B-Smart, and she obviously wants the lead, and B-Smart sprints away. Sia Silk is going up second. Palacio de Moore is going to be caught wide. Van Liero is getting a good position right behind the leaders now, just inside of that Sky Diva in the red cap, getting the perfect spot two lengths off the leaders. They're not really flying. The pace is good, but they're not flying on the lead. Then we come back here to Black Magic Mama, who's racing back in six. Now here's Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Solati, Do in the white colors, seven lengths off the leaders, and it's Avita Argentina. In 
behind that pursuit of glory traveling comfortably enough eight lengths off the leaders in behind that comes dave's revenge up alongside dream empress now here's the favorite stardom brown who's bound as the gray back second last now gives them 11 lengths start at this stage and four more back to persistently they run past the half mile pole and cs silk now kicks on for home be smart on the far side now here's Sky Diva, still in the perfect spot. Red cap at the rail. Sky Diva, she is on a loose rein, though. She's going after the leaders. Up alongside Palacio de Moore. Van Leer Rose is in there now, and Stardom Bound is let loose. And look at her, the grey on the outside. Stardom Bound now makes a huge run at them. And Stardom Bound, grey on the extreme outside, comes to tackle the leaders. Can she keep up this amazing run? Stardom Bound comes to strike the front as they turn for home. Sia Silk tries to battle on on the end. Inside. Dream Empress is coming home lately, but it's all stardom bound now. Sky Diva, Dream Empress chasing daily. Stardom bound made that huge move. Dream Empress gonna stretch into the wire, but no. Stardom bound is just playing too good. And stardom bound and Mike Smith have won it impressively. Dream Empress was second, and then there'll be a photo. Sky Diva and the long shot Dave's revenge for third. Ah, the year was 2008, the venue Santa Anita, Oak Tree at Santa Anita, to be uh, exact, and obviously the voice, the unmistakable Trevor Denman on the call. Stardom bound for Chris Pash and jockey Mike Smith, getting the job done, coming from way out of it. Uh, I don't think she was last early on. She might have been second to last, but I think she was a dozen lengths back at the first call, and she not only won, but she won by a length and a half. In fact, she had opened up a length and a half by the time they got to the top of the stretch. Uh, she was coming off a big win, I believe, in the Oak Leaf in her previous start, and uh, the Oak Leaf uh, has been renamed now. What is it now? Is it the Chandelier? Something like that. Um, but uh, Stardom Bound was an exciting... She was a fun filly because, one, um, she was a grayer roan filly that looked almost white. Um, so she stood out in a crowd. Two, she had that running style that is eye-catching, similar to what we heard and saw from Arazi in 1991 coming from way out of it. That's what Stardom Bound did in all of her races. So, uh, you know, she was one that, you know, you were going to see this big white flash uh, working her way through the field or circling the field, and uh, she passed him in a blink of an eye and won impressively pretty fast, too, while in the 16th in 1.40 and 4. Overall, Stardom Bound, well, she was the Eclipse Award-winning two-year-old filly for 2008. She won uh, only five of her 12 career starts. She was in the money nine of those 12 races. After she won, she, she had won the Del Mar debutante and won the Oak Leaf before winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and then uh, started off her three-year-old campaign very, very good, winning the Las Virginist and the Santa Anita Oaks and then um, still ran some good races but not winning races when she tried the Ashland, the Gazelle, and the El Encino, and the La Cañada, and races like that. And she ended, uh, she ended up uh, eventually retiring at the age of four, um, early on in her four-year-old season. Uh, I, I believe at some point, I think she had a few trainer changes in there. Chris Pash trained her when she won the Breeders' Cup. I, I, for some reason, I want to say Rick Dutrow trained her at the end of her career, and she was like bought publicly by that IEAH stable and some other folks as well. But she was obviously a very exciting filly. And uh, when she was good, she was really, really good. And she was fun to watch. And especially coming from way off the pace back in 2008 to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. 
over at Fairgrounds. Their featured event of the afternoon is race seven. It's the Spanky Broussard Memorial for Phillies and Mares going a mile and 70 yards on the main track. Scratch number seven, Lexa. Field of seven going to post. Couple of them vying for favoritism right now. Number two, the Alley's look or the Alice look. The Alice look is uh, a filly who ran in last year's or rather this year's Kentucky Oaks. In fact, she ran third in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, coming off a win against Allowance Foes at Churchill in her most recent start and back into stakes competition this afternoon. Certainly uh, looks like a, a good spot for her as she's obviously run well against better competition than this in the past. Number five, Hidden Connection. Speaking of running better against, uh, running well against better competition, uh, she's a filly who is just three for 16 lifetime. And it's been a long time since she has seen the winner's circle. Uh, but she has been facing graded stakes competition most of her recent career. In fact, seven of her last eight starts were against graded stakes company. And she has finished second in a few of those races. I mean, she's running against fillies and mares like search results and society and idiomatic and secret oath. And uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously hidden connection. There is talent there. Um I, Hidden Connection is one that uh, I actually thought had a big chance as a two-year-old filly to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies against Echo Zulu and them, and uh, I was wrong. And uh, she turned out to be not nearly as good as Echo Zulu, but she is a money-making machine. She's made over $700,000 in her 6-16 race career, and uh, not much of a factor at all. In fact, uh, a discouraging eighth-place finish last time out in the grade three Chalukis. I don't know where that bad race comes from, but uh, she has shown in the past to run a bad race here or there and then usually follow it up with a real good race speed figure-wise next time out. So if you're a backer of Hidden Connection, that is certainly uh, good news there. Last few going in, Rose Palace to the outside gate. Great filly in the Maggie Moss blue and green colors. Edgar Morales rides this Tom Amos trainee. And here is the Spanky Broussard at Fairgrounds. They're off in the Josephine Spanky Broussard Memorial. And there's Beaudron. Nearest the inside Corning Stone. Hidden connection in the white cap as they enter the first turn. Uh, big odds leader, Beaudron, who takes the initiative here with seven furlongs to run. Beaudraw with Corning Stone close toward the inside. Hidden connection is in third as these Phillies of Mare go to the back of the track. The Alice look running in fourth. Then toward the inside is Unbridled Mary. The gray is Rose Palace and well settled back by Corey Valerie. Scratch Cat trails. The first quarter covered as they make this backstretch run in 24.70 seconds. Bow draw with Jose Guerrero, the 75 to 1 target. Five furlongs to go in the Spanky Broussard Memorial. It's Beaudraw's Corningstone. Moves through to the inside now for Brian Hernandez Jr. Corningstone has taken the lead from Beaudraw with hidden connection. Three deep uncovered. Armbottle Mary comes up the inside. Then comes Rose Palace. The Alice look is falling off this leader, and Scratch Cat remains the trailer. Half mile in 48.34 seconds. They round the far turn. Three furlongs to go. Beaudraw back in front. Beaudraw with hidden connection. Coming three wide for Relu Gutierrez. Corningstone toward the inside looks to rally on. Hidden connection now with a sweep as they come past the quarter pole. It's 
Hidden connection, went to the inside, Corningstone, Bodraw, Unbottled Mary Street to weigh in fourth, Rose Palace, and then Scratch Cat, and the Alice look is last. It's Hidden Connection into this final Fairgrounds Furlong. Hidden Connection has edged away to a two-length lead from Corningstone. Unbridled Mary is running on. Bodraw toward the inside. Rose Palace and Scratch Cat. The Alice look dropped away. It's Hidden Connection. Hidden Connection wins the Spanky Broussard Memorial by four. Corningstone was second, Unbridled Mary third, and Scratch Cat finished fourth. Final time for the mile in 70 yards, 143 flat. Order of finish, 5146. She did it again. Number five, Hidden Connection, followed up a poor effort in her most recent start with a big effort this afternoon, and she wins the Spanky Broussard by four lengths, as John Dooley called. Goes off as the second choice in the wagering at odds of two to one. We will get you those prices in just a little bit. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have the prices from both Tampa Bay Downs and Fairgrounds. More live racing to come. More Wayback Machine with some of my favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Small cell lung cancer can affect anyone, not only smokers. The good news is early lung cancer screenings can detect small cell lung cancer before it spreads when the disease is most treatable. Join Stand Up to Cancer and Jazz Pharmaceuticals to raise awareness of small cell lung cancer and accelerate the pace of research. Ask your healthcare provider about screening options that might be right for you or a loved one. Visit standuptocancer.org slash lung to learn more. Parenting is hard. Technology can make it harder. The Family Media Plan developed by the American Academy of Pediatrics helps make it easier. Go to healthychildren.org forward slash media plan to create the media plan that's right for your family. Whether you make a full plan or just choose a few parts that matter the most to your family, healthychildren.org forward slash media plan is an easy-to-use tool that will help your family set media priorities and create healthy digital habits in line with your family's values. You'll also get practical tips to help make the plan work. And you can come back to revise your plan as often as you need to, like at the beginning of each school year or during summer and holiday breaks. Raising kids in the age of screens is easier when you have a plan. Go to HealthyChildren.org forward slash media plan and make your plan today. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 
HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Three quarters, one ten and one, and they're at the top of the stretch. Gunrunners set down for the drive by Florent Giroux. He leads by two. West Coast, the only one with a chance. He's second. Well clear of the others. A battle on for third with Fear the Cowboy coming on. Gunrunner needs another 16th. It's Gunrunner in front. He'll go out a winner. He's the horse of the year, and he's Gunrunner with an unforgettable performance in the Pegasus World Cup. He won by two over West Coast second. The local horses did well. Gunavera got third. Fear the Cowboy was fourth. And the final time was 147-2. Gunrunner. Pete Aiello on the call. Back in 2018, the Pegasus World Cup Invitational won by Gunrunner. There's a stake race named in his honor tomorrow at Fairgrounds. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Bobby Newman here with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we head toward the top of hour number two. By the way, the Gun Runner, a fairly new stake at the Fairgrounds. It just uh, it was inaugurated in 2021 with Epicenter getting the job done. Then Jace's Road won it last year, and this year's Gun Runner one of eight stakes tomorrow out at the Fairgrounds. A reminder, it's a Derby points qualifier toward next year's Kentucky Derby. I think 10 points go to the winner. They pay the first five spots. Is it the first five or the first six? Yeah, but they pay several spots in that race. And uh, listen, uh, 10 points may or may not make the difference for a horse or two in this race, but we've seen over the last few years it could make a difference for the 19th, 20th horses getting in to the Derby field. So the untappable tomorrow at Fairgrounds is a points qualifier toward the Kentucky Oaks and the Gunrunner, a points qualifier toward next year's Kentucky Derby. As far as uh, Gunrunner himself is uh, concerned, well, he was really, really good. Uh, Horse of the year in 2017 and obviously champion older dirt male that year as well. Uh, Winner of the Breeders' Cup Classic back in 2017 and all he won 12 of his 19 career starts made almost 16 million dollars in his career and he closed out that career with a five race win streak all grade one races uh culminating with that 2018 edition of the pegasus world cup so nice that fairgrounds has a race named in his honor tomorrow afternoon uh, all right, owe you some prices from both Tampa and Fairgrounds. We're going to start over at Tampa Bay Downs, where the eighth race on the card was won impressively by the favorite number 12, Mish. He's a six-year-old grayer roan gelding by field commission out of the greatness mare Wicked Great, owned by C2 Racing Stable and trained by Safi Joseph Jr., Sammy Camacho, with another win on the card, Mish. 362.8240. Second seven, Impacto. $1066. Third two, Capture the Lion. 380 to show. Fourth number nine, Spy Hunter. The Exacta 2920, the Tri 4660. Dollar Super, $622.30. Over at Fairgrounds, uh, results are now official for their seventh race. And the featured seventh race was the Spanky Broussard Memorial Stakes, won by number five, Hidden Connection. Four-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Philly by Connect 
out of the awesome again mare CJ's gal owned by Hiddenbrook Farm and Black Type Thoroughbreds. Trained by Brett Calhoun, Raylu Gutierrez in the Irons this afternoon. Hidden Connection 640, 380, and 320. Second one, Corningstone, 460, 320. Third four, Unbridled Mary, $5 to show. Fourth was number six, Scratch Cat. The Exacta 1980, the Tri 5235, and the Dollar Super $286.60. Over at Tampa Bay Downs, they are just four minutes away from post time for the ninth and final race on their card. So we will get to that in a few minutes. Interesting news, though, uh, coming out. Uh, did you read this? Our, our good friend Dick Downey, who contributes a lot to Blood Horse, uh, wrote about it uh, a few days. In fact, yesterday, Forte DQ paused with temporary restraining order. The disqualification of Forte from his win in the grade one hopeful stakes is on hold following the entry of a temporary restraining order in a New York uh, court December 21st. Uh, this news was first reported by the Thoroughbred Daily News, and I'm not going to read you the whole thing, um, but in, in addition to Forte's DQ, which amounts to a loss of $165,000 in purse money, his trainer Todd Pletcher was suspended from training for 10 days and fined $1,000. And if you read the story, it's pretty interesting because it basically makes it sound like um, people who were in charge of the testing and uh, were not allowed to testify, meaning in charge of the drug testing. Uh, He tested positive for a a drug called meloxicam, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication that is not a banned substance in New York but can't be administered within seven days of a race day. And the doctor in charge of the testing testified apparently that the level was so low it could not have been ingested within seven days. And for some reason, um, they, for, for the first time in like 40 years, they tried to introduce it as zero tolerance and uh, they're appealing. And they've got uh, Drew Malika, who is involved with a lot of lawsuits that involve horse racing people uh, on their side. But uh, on the little bit that you read about this, it kind of it kind of sounds like they have a good chance of winning the appeal. Uh, we will see what happens. I don't know why somebody that would normally be allowed to testify in a timely matter was not. And then when he did testify, he made it sound like uh, stuff was done all differently than it had been done in the past. And um, listen, it's 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 uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent going to go the way of. Pletcher and Rapoli and Vinny Viola's stables and Forte, the Forte team, uh, but it sounds like there's a, a chance that there was a, a screwiness that happened and it could be overturned. So uh, interesting to follow that story as it plays out. Uh, over at Tampa Bay Downs, as I mentioned, ninth and final race on the card is coming up, and this is a mile and an eighth on the turf. $16,000 the claiming tag. These are three-year-olds and up. Full field of 10 going to post in this spot. Number six, Sandy Lane Kitten is the current favorite at 5-2 to two for trainer Darian Rodriguez and jockey Antonio Gallardo, both off to a uh, tremendous start at this Tampa Bay Downs meet. And let's face it, these guys win a lot of races, whether it's Tampa Bay Downs or not. Darian Rodriguez winning at a 26% clip in 2023 and Gallardo winning at a 22% clip. So these guys, uh, they know what they're doing. And Sandy Lane Kitten probably uh, getting some action because 
of his connections. Now, he ran at the $16,000 level last time out at Tampa Bay Downs, was the 2-1 to one favorite in the race, stalked the pace, stuck his head in front at the top of the stretch, and just got run over by several horses. Not literally run over. He ran fourth, uh, beaten two and a half lengths. Um, and now they're trying to take the blinkers off. It's not that they put the blinkers on just for that last race. He had been racing with blinkers most of his recent career, in fact, at least his last 10 starts, but uh, probably trying to – maybe they think that uh, he would have had a better chance at seeing these other horses closing in and would have uh, kicked on a little bit better if he wasn't wearing the blinkers. Whatever it was, uh, he's a horse who doesn't always – make up ground from the top of the stretch to the line. So uh, every now and then he will pass a horse down the lane, but for the most part he's one of these horses that makes his move around the turn and maybe to the eighth pole, and then uh, hopefully it's good enough to cruise onto the line after that. But uh, five to two may be a little bit too short on him for me, especially knowing that, uh, you know, he's – I mean, it's been a while since he won. I know he's won seven of his 40 career starts, but none of those races have been in 2023. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'd want to take that short of a price. Second choice is the eight Kygo for Elizabeth Doblis and uh, Imaginary Stables. Kygo uh, coming off a second place finish against $16,000 claimers in his most recent start. And uh, seems like a lot of these runners run regularly at this $16,000 level. Kygo uh, finished second to Castaño, who's in the race once again today. Castaño uh, passed him and won by a half a length last time out. Kygo was 3-1 to one that day. Castaño was 10-1 to one that day. Now you still get 10-1 to one on Castaño, and he gets 7-2 to two on Kygo. So I don't know what it is about Kygo that they think he's so much better than Castaño or vice versa, what they, what they don't like about Castaño that they think that that last race was an anomaly. Um, but he is a horse that comes from well off the pace. And just uh, glancing at the the running lines for these horses in here, there's not a ton of speed. The seven, uh, the nine Demir has shown speed at times. Ten busting up is probably going to go to the lead. Pretty wide open affair as these open 16 claimers usually are on the turf at Tampa Bay Downs. And these are the kind of races that you get for the final race of the day. Always big fields, always interesting handicapping puzzles, and they are loading in for the ninth and final at uh, Tampa Bay Downs. After this race, we're going to go back and look at some of my other favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. The next one, I guarantee, will not be high on people's lists. It's from a long time ago, and it's a horse not too many people had. Here's the finale at Tampa. A race is on. It's time for Gratia Prince toward the inside. Demir in the teal color showing good speed, and Demir going to try to cross all the way over and grab the early advantage, busting up from the outside. So the two outside runners, one, two, through that opening furlong. Sandy Lane Kitten just in behind them along with Kygo. They're out third and fourth. Gratia Prince is fifth. Vital between horses sixth. Veloce right to that one's outside is seventh. As they come by us the first time, it's busting up who leads it. Busting up now in front by three. Demir back in second. Sandy Lane Kitten is third. To that one's outside comes Kygo, already about five or six off the leader. They got that opening quarter in 23 and one-fifth seconds. It's busted up by the six furlong marker. The lead out to three and a half now to Demir. Then comes Sandy Lane, Kitten, and Kygo. Gratia Prince heads up a lineup of three in the third flight. Along with that one comes Vital and Veloce. Sandy Lane, Kitten with two beat early on. Those are Castaño and Azure Sky. 
Five furlongs left to go in the finale, and Longshot busting up continues to take him down the back stretch. It's busting up that lead three and a half lengths. Down on the inside, Sandy Lane Kitten shadowing that one to the outside is Demir. Now they're closing in on this leader as Demir tugs up to within a half length as they run past the half-mile pole. Busting up now back in front of length and a half. Demir back to second. Sandy Lane Kitten right to that one's outside. Kygo in the pink colors is fourth and about three and a half off the top. In behind that, Gratia Prince. Veloce coming under a bit of a ride as Vitals drop back a couple of spots. Castaño starts to march forward on the outside. Is going to be three deep, but is gaining on the outside with the green cap. Around that far turn, busting up a narrow leader. Demir going to take another shot at this longtime leader as they come by the quarter pole. Castaño continues that sustained bit on the outside. Is moving up three deep as they come into the stretch. Here comes Castaño up, calling after the lead. Battling on, busting up. Sandy Lane, Kitten, and Gratia Prince trying to come through down toward the inside. They have a final furlong left to go. Can Castaño sustain that bid? Castaño in front. Gratia Prince slips up the inside for a late run. Veloce. It's Castaño in front. Gratia Prince, one final surge. Castaño held on. Gratia Prince was second. Long way back to Veloce. Then came Demir and a photo for FIP. Unofficially 5-1-7-9 in the finale of Tampa Bay down. Second win in a row for number five, Castaño, who just got hammered in the last click. This is something that uh, those of us who bet the races absolutely can't stand. 10-1 to as they were in the gate with two horses left to load, ends up going off five to one and getting the job done covering the mile and an eighth in one minute, 50 seconds flat. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. All right, let's go back in time again. I am not a big fan of the Breeders' Cup turf because I have not had a lot of success wagering in the Breeders' Cup turf. And this is certainly one I did not have, but my most memorable, maybe favorite Breeders' Cup turf of all time. Let's go way back. Breeders' Cup turf, they're off. Great communicator, broke right in stride now, and he's out to take the early lead. Sunshine Forever also came away in good order, and he's right there. Indian Skimmer is out fast now. She's four wide heading for the turn. Triptych is up close early and toward the inside. Infamy is nestled nicely in fifth place. El Senor is just three and a half lengths off the early lead. Frankly Perfect is now to his inside. Then it is Malicious, followed by St. Andrews, and Sar Move is the trailer. A tight pack now as they round the first turn. Great communicator is prompted by Sunshine Forever. Triptych just off them on the outside. Three wide as they move toward the top of the stretch. Infamy is nestled in behind them. And Indian Skipper, the Roan Philly, is just alongside her. Frankly Perfect is saving ground throughout. El Senor is moving comfortably in the middle of the pack. Now they pass by us for the first time. It is still great communicator. Ray Seville trying to nurse that speed. Sunshine Forever is under a snug hold. Triptych is now up close early and edging closer to Great Communicator. A comfortable pace here. El Senor surprisingly close. Frankly Perfect is right there. Infamy is just in behind horses. And Indian Skimmer now is drafting in behind horses as they move into the second turn. Then it's St. Andrews, Malicious, and Sarhub. A tight pack. The pace is slow. The first quarter, 25 and 2. The half in 51 and 3, three quarters in 17 and 2. And now Ray Seville asking Great Communicator for run. They're trying to shake loose from Sunshine Forever, who looms a threatening menace just off his flank on the outside. Triptych is right there, still close, running in third position. Frankly, perfect. A perfect trip so far. He's right there toward the inside. El Senor is within striking distance. Indian Skimmer is just five lengths off the lead now with a half mile to run in the Breeders' Cup turf. Great communicator now, Asperon, he's there by three quarters of a length. Sunshine Forever, a powerful presence, he's right at his neck, and there he goes! Sunshine Forever now on the outside, great commuter fighting back, and the Philly kicks in. 
Trip pick is moving right with her. Indian skipper with a four-wide sweep now as they come to the quarter pole. Trip pick now. Indian skimmer on the outside. Those two set down for the drive. Sunshine forever, and he's not through yet. Great communicator. The four of them across the track in a dramatic confrontation. Great communicator. Indian skimmer. Sunshine forever. Roaring back in between them. Great communicator. Unyielding. Sunshine forever. Determined. Great communicator. Great communicator will not be denied. Sunshine forever was second, and Indian skimmer was third. What a dramatic stretch drive. The Breeders' Cup turf does it again. Fireworks in the stretch on the grass today. Great communicator and a great ride by Ray Seville. Ah, Ray Seville, a fixture in Southern California for a long time. Had a, a restaurant right there just across the street from Santa Anita for a long time. Thad Ackle, the trainer of Great Communicator. They claimed this horse uh, earlier on in his career, I believe back in uh, 86 or 87. I think he ran in four or five claiming races in his career. This horse couldn't win. There, he, he could not win the Breeders' Cup turf, but he won the Breeders' Cup turf in 1988, and he ended up winning several graded stakes after that, but uh, never considered one of the greatest turf horses of all time, and he was not, he was far and away not supposed to beat horses like Sunshine Forever and Indian Skimmer, who was a hot shot from Europe that was coming over, but uh, a fantastic and tenacious effort by the long shot and former claimer, great communicator, getting the job done in 1988. All right, let's get one more in before we get back to the live racing. So many great Breeders' Cup miles in history um, this was not my favorite as far as a gambling wise uh, but the most memorable to me was about 13 years ago let's hear it and away they go to another perfect stop Kodakova not quick into stride though she's dropping in mid back fastest into stride here is Sydney's Candy and Sydney's Candy all alone out here on the lead Get Stormy's racing along second Beethoven kicks through at the rail the usual QT is pulling very hard the usual QT wants to go on now pulled his way up to be a joint second now here's Goldacova caught a little wide in the turn and the white cap is giving them five length start just in front of that delegator who's going up closer court vision has the white blinkers down at the rail they are followed by Paco Boy who's back fourth last gives them seven length start Provisos at the back of the leading group. And then we come back to Gio Ponti. Gio Ponti's 10 lengths off the leaders. And another four back to society's chairman. They run towards the half-mile pole now, and Sydney's Candy's ensured a good pace. Sydney's Candy by a length to get Stormy. Beethoven's tucked in at the rail in third. On the outside of that, Frankie Dottorian, delegator of fourth. In the usual QT, is losing ground. Now here's Goldacova back six, and let's see. Goldacova has seven to make up. Goldacova's going to have to kick it in. They turn for home, and Sydney's Candy still strong on the lead. And Sydney's Candy gets a tap on the shoulder, goes on for home. Now Goldacova. Goldacova's unwinding her run in the center of the track. Goldacova's let loose, she's flying. Sydney's Candy, the usual QT's in there as well. But Goldacova's catching with each and every stride. Are we to see history this afternoon? Here's Paco Boy late, but no. Goldacova, a true champion. Three Breeders' Cup wins. Olivia Pellier, the perfect ride. Goldacova has won. Gio Ponti, the usual QT, and Paco Boy lined up to chase her home. Great call by Trevor Denman back in 2010, the third straight win in the Breeders' Cup mile for the great race mare Goldacova, Olivia Pellier aboard. She ended up winning by almost two lengths 
as the 6-5 to five favorite that day. Overall, uh, she was the champion grass mare in 2009 and 2010, won the race three straight years, 8, 9, and 10. She tried actually again in 2011, finished third that year, elected into the Hall of Fame in 2017 in all. She won 20, uh, rather 17 of her 27 career starts, was only out of the money once in those 27 races, and um, it, it was, uh, you know, way back in her career. Uh, just a, a phenomenal filly daughter of Anabad of a blushing groom mare uh, for trainer Freddie Head. And uh, listen, I, I was not a Goldakova lover. I'm not even sure that I made money in any of the three races that she won. But the fact that she was good enough to win three straight Breeders' Cup miles against the best uh, horses in the world, uh, that's good enough for me. So that's my favorite Breeders' Cup mile of all time. Still haven't gotten to my absolute two favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. My favorite classic, my favorite distaff. I will get to that before the end of today's show. But we need to get back out to the track for some live action as they're getting close to post time for race eight out at the fairgrounds. Mile and a 16th on the turf, an allowance optional claiming event for three-year-olds and up non-winners of two other than or in for a claiming tag of $50,000. Scratch numbers 12, 14, 15, and 16. The 13 Alex June draws in and will race today off the AEs. A couple of two-to-one shots on the board right now. Number two, Kentucky Ghost. Number four, James Aloysius. Kentucky Ghost for Brad Cox and James Graham. Coming off a third-place finish, uh, I guess against one level tougher than this. Been running against the optional claiming non-three other than level last two starts and uh, been third in both of those races. This is a horse who early on in his career was running against a lot of graded stakes competition and now uh, just find, trying to figure out how to get back to the winner's circle. By the way, last time he ran against optional claiming non-two other thens was his last win. It was three starts ago at Kentucky Downs. James Aloysius, on the other hand, uh, he tried the Artie Schiller at Aqueduct last time out and ran all right, finished sixth, beaten two and a half lengths that day. Um, he's only won two races in his lifetime. He broke his maiden, then won an A other than allowance, uh, both uh, at Gulfstream Park. Uh, but even when he's not winning, he's usually in or around the money. He's hit the board six of nine times, and uh, the other times he was only beaten about two lengths each of those races. So James Aloysius has never run a really, quote-unquote, bad race in his career, and uh, he makes a lot of sense in this spot today. want to remind everybody, uh, we still have Jeff Chapman, the VIP player host from Santa Anita, right around the corner. In fact, he's going to join us about five minutes from now. More live racing to come from fairgrounds. We've also got uh, my two favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time that uh, I unveil is the, is the wrong word, but uh, relive. How about that? And I'm guessing these are atop a lot of people's lists. Certainly one of them has to be, but uh, they're both memorable finishes and... Um, I'm not going to give any more hints right now. We'll we'll wait on that. All right, fairgrounds, they are uh, circling the wagons, uh, dragging their feet, whatever you want to call it, as they give everyone a final few moments to get their wagers in for this eighth race at fairgrounds. They are on the dirt still, waiting to make the short trek over onto the turf course where the gate is just waiting right in front of them. So as soon as they decide to make their way onto the turf, 
they'll begin loading probably within 10 seconds of that. So uh, they're just giving everyone a final chance. And as they do that, number four, James Aloysius is taking more money down to nine to five on the board. Second choice, number two, Kentucky goes to three to one. Late money coming in on the nine, sailing solo for Louis Roussel and jockey Ben Curtis, seven to two on the board right now, riding a two-race win streak coming into this race today. And one of those races was at this same level of competition at the fairgrounds basically one month ago. Ran against optional 50, non-two other thens. Was 5-1 to one that day, stalked the pace, won by three-quarters of a length. Sailing Solo is a horse that he wants to be either on the lead or pressing the pace. We'll see what kind of trip he gets from one of those outer posts under Ben Curtis, who was the rider uh, aboard him last time out. Ben Curtis having a, a nice meet thus far at Fairgrounds, winning at a 12% clip. And uh, Louis Roussel, no matter what he does, in racing the rest of his life will uh, forever be remembered for Risen Star and the great work he did with him. Risen Star, uh, I mean, what a what a really, really good horse in 1988 he was, especially during uh, those Triple Crown races. All right, they've made their way to the starting gate, and they've begun the loading process for this eighth race at Fairgrounds. And once again, a mile and a 16th on the... T- I wonder how they decide whether it's a mile and a 16th or about a mile and a 16th. For instance, number nine, Sailing Solo, ran about a mile and a 16th on the turf last time out, and today's race is a mile and a 16th. Well, I, I, how do, I, I got to ask somebody that. I, that's, something I, I, that, that's something you don't usually see at other racetracks. Why? You'd either be all about or all exactly. Why would it be one or the other? Maybe it has something to do with wearing the turf course down. Here's John Dooley with the eighth. And they're off. James Aloysius, Parrothead in the green cap and sleeves, selling solos right there from those inside gates. Ocelot with Kentucky Ghost, Bourbon Day on the black silks and microphone as they make their way toward the first turn with Laurent Giroux, James Aloysius leads out. James Aloysius to the top. Microphone now up into second out to the stretch with Parrothead in third. Then toward the inside is Ocelot with Kentucky Ghost in about fifth or sixth with Bourbon Dang covering a lot of ground as they go to the back. They come sailing solo, Black Silk with a cherry cap. Split the wickets is saving ground with the between horses group 18 and an orange cap. And on the outside is Alex June making his run toward the half-mile pole. Then he's got this and Native Thunder Trails. The quarter was 23.51 seconds. Nearing the half-mile pole, Microphone has taken the lead here for Deshaun Parker as James Aloysius tracks. Ocelot toward the inside, vying for third with Parrothead. Bourbon Day has raced wide in fifth. Sailing Solo is sixth and seven lengths off the lead. Then Kentucky Ghost with, on the outside, Alex June. Group 18 split the wickets. Native Thunder just relegated. He's got this to 12th. The half-mile, 47.61 seconds coming toward the quarter pole. It's Microphone and James Aloysius alongside. They straighten away. James Aloysius has swept ahead of Microphone with Parrot Head. In between horses, Ocelot now gaining ground. Kentucky Ghost rallies with the rail. Three quarters went past in 111.14 seconds. James Aloysius leads them down to the final 16th. Alex June staying on between horses with Ocelot and Kentucky Ghost. It's James Aloysius. James Aloysius 
Wins by two. Alex June was second. Kentucky goes third, then split the wickets. He's got this. Among those next home were Parrot Head with Bourbon Day and Selling Soto. Unofficially four, 13, two, and three in the eighth race at Fairgrounds. Number four, James Aloysius for Tom Morley and Florent Giroux, getting the job done at the odds of three to two. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Oya prices from Tampa Bay Downs and Fairgrounds, more Breeders' Cup memories to bring you. But at the other side of this break, we're going to head out to Santa Anita, talk with Jeff Chapman, a VIP player host, about the upcoming Santa Anita season. This is Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Did you know that when you make time to talk, read, or sing with your child, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? As a father, helping my child thrive is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children and to help them enter school ready to learn and succeed in life, starting from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. We had never been there before, and two of us had never seen a hockey game. Man, we had the time of our lives. It was great therapy. Vet Ticks, we can't thank you enough. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. From complex treatments to long hospital stays, these special patients miss out on the things that most kids take for granted and let kids be kids. That's where Starlight Children's Foundation comes in. Since 1982, Starlight Children's Foundation has transformed the in-hospital experience for more than 17 million seriously ill kids in 800 children's hospitals and facilities across the United States. Our state-of-the-art programs like Starlight Virtual Reality, Starlight Hospital Wear, and Starlight Gaming let kids just be kids, if even for a few moments. Whether donning an action figure gown instead of standard hospital issue, or settling into gamer mode, if it brings a smile, a laugh, or just a break from their reality, it's happiness delivered. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. This is Bobby Newman. Live racing, great info, and lots of fun is what you'll get every Thursday on the First Bet Racing Show. Bob Nastanovich and I bring you the live action from the biggest tracks around North America, speak with some of the major players in the game, and discuss racing's biggest topics. It's the First Bet Racing Show every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Listen live each week on Sirius 162, XM 207, online channel 999, or streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Flight line, sailing away, coming to the quarter pole, opening up a length and a half on Team Merchants, Baby Yoda, trying to get off the rail. 
In behind them, Dr. Shovel. Triple tap is last as Flightline turns it on at the top of the stretch. And he's in cruise control. Flightline, a superstar, is dominating the run happy Malibu. And he's going to turn this into his easiest win yet. Flightline jogging home under Flavian Pratt wins by a distance. Baby Yoda second, Stiletto Boy, and then Triple Tap. And of course, the boys of Frank Maramati back in 2021, the Grade 1 Malibu Stakes, a runaway performance by Flightline, who of course had a lot of runaway performances in his six starts career. He ended up undefeated. Of course, that was his first ever stakes win. He would follow it up uh, several months later by winning the Met Mile, then winning the Pacific Classic, and of course, capping his career with a, a runaway win in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Welcome back to betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Pleased to be joined now by Jeff Chapman. He's a VIP player host out at Santa Anita and, of course, getting ready for the start of another great meet uh, with their traditional December 26th start on Tuesday afternoon, or I should say actually on Tuesday morning. Uh, Jeff, uh, when you go back in time, I know it's not a long way back, but uh, revisit what Flightline was and what he did for racing a few years ago it's got to give you goosebumps. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you you rarely see a horse like that. Uh, you know, I can name two horses in my lifetime uh, that really stood out. And one would be way back in the day when I saw Cigar uh, winning the Citation Challenge at Arlington Park. But then when you see a horse like Flightline come along and just dominate in all those starts and then – even on opening opening day, Bobby, that year, it, it was cold a couple of years ago. Now, that's to, to us, uh, you know, wimpy California standards, but it was in the, I believe, 50s maybe that day. But we had, you know, 40,000 40, strong there and watching Flightline just absolutely crush that field. It's one of those moments where you get, I still get the tingles up my spine thinking about it right now. And then that actually led us into last year, Bobby. We did a, uh, we had some a person that's still up now paint a big mural on the side of the wall of Flightline, and uh, John Sadler and Flavian Pratt came out and signed a Flightline print, and the line was around the block, and they were gracious enough to stay much longer than we had uh, planned for them to stay to sign each and every one. And then the people were going over and taking pictures in front of the flight line mural. And it was incredible. The thing that I thought was so amazing about flight line, first of all, to a lot of people, he may be the best horse that you've ever seen. And I, who's to say whether that's right or not, but even people, my age, you know, to to say that there's going to be a horse that comes along in the late, you know, in around 2021, 2022, that, is going to be in the conversation with horses like Secretariat and Spectacular Bid and Affirmed and Seattle Slough, where people are making comparisons whether why this horse is or isn't as good as those horses were. Holy cow. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Obviously, we all wish we could have seen him run more than just six times, but as it turns out, the plan they had for, for Flightline was very, very good executed flawlessly and as good as flight line was in his maiden victory which came at santa anita 
I think he was better in all five of his subsequent starts after that, which, I mean, who would have believed that? Absolutely. I agree. And, and uh, you know, you got to give it, – it's tough to compare, obviously, like you said, flight lines to the – to the older horses because my line only ran six times but hats off to john sadler they had a plan you know they knew how to space the horses races apart you know he had a few foot problems here and there uh but they they just mapped out a perfect campaign and he was so you know he just ran them off their feet he was naturally so fast but then he learned to relax as well but just that devastating speed he would just go what 40 46 45 and change and just bury anybody who wanted who dared to keep up with him early so uh just an amazing athlete uh unbelievable racehorse and you know you, you wish they could stay around longer but you, you understand and you got to appreciate them while they last well flight line won the 2021 edition of the malibu and the and the malibu is the traditional opening day feature for the winter meet or the winter spring meet at Santa Anita. And this year is no different. It's actually one of six graded stakes that they're drawing right now as we're talking out at Santa Anita. They've got three grade ones, three grade twos set for next Tuesday, or at least that they're setting up for next Tuesday. Always fun when we look forward to the start of the Santa Anita meet. Uh, From a wagering perspective, Jeff, uh, anything new this year? I know the big news last year was the return of the traditional pick six um, and, and where it wasn't a, a jackpot, but a traditional six and six, paying six and five and things like that. Anything new on the wagering front as we go to this year's meet? Uh, a couple things that are different. And like you said, we are continuing the dollar pick six, the traditional pick six. And then that went over very well. And, you know, once we get a couple nice carryovers, uh, it's going to it's gonna grow even more. Uh, we are also going from on the, on the trifectas and the pick threes, rather than being 50 cent tries and pick threes, we will no, now go to a dollar tries and pick threes starting in this meet as well. So a couple more changes, and I think the, uh, the players will be happy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to this, and I'm, I don't know who knows the answer to this, but, you know, when at, at a time way back when, you know, pick threes were like a $3 minimum, and it seems like all wagers went down to as little as you could bet uh, to get more people in and get more coverage for less amount of money to the point where we're having 10-cent supers and 10-cent this and 20-cent this, and now it seems like, with Santa Anita and maybe a few other tracks copying that they're going back up, not maybe not up to, you know, $3 minimum pick threes and $5 minimum exactas, things like that, but they're trending back up. And as you mentioned, it seems like the betters like it. No, they do. I, I agree. And, and, you know, I think with some of the payoffs, it's, it's been tougher to win uh, and, and people expect more. And I think with the dollar tries, the dollar pick threes makes it a little bit more difficult. People can't spread quite as much. And, you know, the players want to get some bang for their buck. There's no question about it. And I think going back to that really works. And we're also, you know, once again, doing the $3 all turf pick threes, which is just a little bit, you know, of a spin on something to make make another higher denomination and, and maybe get some bigger payoffs. So uh, higher higher denominations as far as what you need to bet into it, 
uh, which makes him a little tougher to hit because a lot of people aren't going to spread as much. But the positive side is that when you do hit, uh, it should be fruitful, much better payoffs than maybe what we've seen over the last several years. Speaking with Jeff Chapman, VIP player host out at Santa Anita. Uh, another thing we look forward to at Santa Anita, Jeff, of course, are the handicapping tournaments. Anything on the schedule this meet? Yeah, um, I'll just go over a few of the big ones kind of to start off the meet. Um, on opening day on the 26th, there is the $1,500 Santa Anita Park opening day challenge. So that's a $1,000 bankroll. $500 goes into the prize pool, and the prizes are the uh, to a, for, towards the $6,000 Pegasus World Cup betting challenge, the NHC, and cash. That's for Santa Anita on track and express bet players. Then on, if we go to January 13th, which is actually the Cal Cup, there's a $500 uh, tournament that day. On to the 27th, that is the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge. That's a $6,000 tournament available to on-track Santa Anita, Gulfstream, and Express Bet players. $5,000 bankroll, $1,000 into the prize pool. Prizes are the NHC, BCBC, and the $6,000 Ultimate Betting Challenge and cash. Um, February 3rd, they will have a $1,500 NHC Super Qualifier, uh, which is $1,000 bankroll, and a $500 prize pool. And that's the one that's the last chance, first chance in the NHC. So you can actually get the last chance in the NHC and the first chance in the 2025 NHC. And then moving all the way to March 2nd, we are having the ultimate betting challenge, and that's another $6,000 ultimate betting challenge with a $5,000 bankroll, $1,000 prize pool, and uh, plenty of cash to go around. So they've already doubled up the number of tournaments uh, from last year, and I think we're just trying to add on and add on to, you know, like a couple of you, a couple of those we mentioned. They might be a little too rich for our blood, but uh, – you know, you get some. You could either qualify into those, or you get some of these big players out here to win some uh, some big money. Well, I, I myself am looking forward to actually being at Santa Anita on Saturday, March second. So, don't know if I'm going to take part in the tournament, but looking forward to that day, which of course is Big Cap Day, and the San Felipe takes place that day, as well as a couple of other stakes on that Saturday afternoon card. For those fans who are lucky enough to be able to go to opening day live this coming Tuesday, uh, traditional calendar giveaway on opening day? Traditional calendar calendar giveaway. We also have the, uh, the plush horse that we're going to give away. And um, another thing, as, as you and I talked about the flight line, there's actually a flight line pin. We did a commemorative uh, pin um, last year of Zenyatta, and we're going to try to do a series of them so people can collect them. And we will have a flight line pin starting on opening day. And the, how, how you get that is you can either bet $50 through first rewards on site or donate 25 bucks to the California Thoroughbreds Horsemen's Foundation. And those are available while supplies last. All the proceeds go to the California Thoroughbred Horsemen's Foundation. But Flightline Pin is a uh, is a very cool thing. So and and you know eleven races, first post eleven a.m. 
on Tuesday. So uh, don't drink too much the night before on Christmas so we can get up bright and early and be here opening day. That's right. Not too much eggnog on uh, on Christmas Day. <laughs> exactly. Really appreciate you taking the time, Jeff. Uh, looking forward to another fantastic season out at Santa Anita. And I'll see you when I'm out there early part of March, my friend. Uh, Bobby, thanks for the time. And I can't wait to see you on uh, Big Cap Day. And enjoy your holidays. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Our good friend Jeff Chapman out at Santa Anita. By the way, the, the entries are out. So the PP should be out for opening day. I was just checking... Uh, as we were talking, and they have drawn 11 races with a first post of 11 a.m. Pacific for opening day card at Santa Anita. By the way, the Malibu, of course, the traditional opening day feature. This is a race that began in the early 50s. We've really seen some fantastic three-year-olds win it throughout the years and should have another fun renewal this coming Tuesday. All right, um, before we get to the prices, I'm going to get to one of my two favorite Breeders' Cup moments of all time. We were talking a little bit about Flightline. He, of course, retired undefeated and did it very easily. Well, there was a filly way back when who retired undefeated, and she capped off her career by winning the Breeders' Cup distaff. Not quite as easy for her. Let's go back to 1988. Street at 12, and they're up in the distaff. Goodbye, Halo. Broke well in winning colors now, and she's going to run right on the lead early. Well, on the move has come out running in third, and she's taken in hand. Integra now has been gathered back in fourth position as they head for the first turn. Personal Ensign was away in good order now. She'll be floated a bit wide going into the turn by Sham Say. Epitome is saving ground all the way on the inside. And then Classic Crown is one horse beaten, and that is Hail the Cab as they round the first turn. And the Derby winner is loose on the lead. It's winning colors now, and she's opened up by four and a half lengths. Goodbye, Halo is second, and Vasquez asking Sham Safer run now third toward the inside. Willa on the move is racing in fourth. Integra is fifth on the outside. Personal Ensign, the undefeated Philly, is now nine lengths off the lead as they continue up the backstretch. It's still winning colors. Loose on the lead by two and a half. Shamsay is running second. On the outside, goodbye, Hillow in striking position is third. Willa on the move is asked for more run fourth. Personal Lenson is still eight lengths out of it. There's a half mile to run and winning colors doing what she did in the Derby. She's still free running on the lead. Three furlongs to run and she leads now by three. Goodbye, Halo beginning to pick it up in second now. Shamsay is third toward the rail. Personal Ensign is putting her run in on the inside now. She takes to the outside. Five lengths off the lead of winning colors. Who turns for home here at Churchill Downs? Stevens going to a vigorous left-handed whip. Holding on by two. Goodbye, Halo is charging hard. Here comes Personal Ensign unleashing a furious run on the outside. But it is still winning colors. Goodbye, Halo. Personal Ensign a sixteenth of a mile from the wire. Winning colors is there. Personal Ensign, a dramatic finish, and here is the wire, and it is Personal Ensign there with winning colors in a photo. Very close at the 16th pole, it looked like Personal Ensign was facing her first defeat, but in those final 110 courageous yards, she certainly proved herself a champion this afternoon. A ah, phenomenal call by Tom Dirk in the 1988 Breeders' Cup ta- class, uh, Breeders' Cup distaff, rather on a sloppy track at Churchill Downs. 
won by the undefeated personal ensign running down that year's derby winner uh, w- winning colors, goodbye Halo also in that field. When Personal Ensign retired 13 for 13. She was the Eclipse Award champion, Older Mare in 88, became a Hall of Famer in 1993, and just a phenomenally good racing filly for Shug McGahee, Ogden Phipps, and I believe Randy Romero in the Irons uh, for that win in the Breeders' Cup distaff. She, the entire race, Looked like she was not going to get there, and somehow she got there in just the nick of time. Just a phenomenal effort in 1988. Let's get some prices out for Tampa and Fairgrounds. Ninth and final on the card at Tampa went to the five, Castaño. Six-year-old chestnut gelding by Tapature out of the Lion Hot Bear. It's the Money Honey. Owned by Jose Gallegos and trained by Jennifer Quinones. Marcos Manessas, the winning rider. Castaño paid 13 20 680 and 460. Second one, Gracia Prince, 420, 340. Third seven, Veloce, 820 to show. Fourth number nine, Demir, exact of 4820. The try, 11405. Dollar super, $3,345.80. Over at Fairgrounds, results are official for their eighth race. Favorite number four, James Aloysius. Getting the job done, four-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Gelding by More Than Ready out of the Lord of England mare, Olorda, owned by West Paces Racing and trained by Tom Morley. Florent Giroux, the winning rider on James Aloysius, who paid $5.320 and $2.80. Second, 13, Alex June, $11.580. Third, two, Kentucky Ghost, $3.40 to show. Fourth was number three, Split the Wickets. Exact of 69.60, the try 67.35, dollar super $1,810.70. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings in the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Still have one more live race to come. Also, my favorite Breeders' Cup race of all time. Also happens to be my favorite Breeders' Cup race call of all time. And I'll get you that after this race at Fairgrounds. Ninth and final at the Fairgrounds. The six furlongs on the fast main track. It's an allowance optional claiming event for Louisiana-bred fillies and mares that are non-winners of two other than or in for a claiming price of $20,000. We've got a field of 10 going to post here. Uh, There are three of them getting the action. Everyone else is a big long shot or is a price in the race. You've got number two, Country Lady, third choice right now at 7-2 for Grant Forster and Jareth Loveberry, claimed away uh, from trainer Lee Thomas out of her most recent start uh, where she ran against the same level of competition, showed speed and faded to third, beating about seven lengths that day. The actual favorite in the race right now is number five, Canada's Customs for Steve Asmussen and Brian Hernandez Jr. She was second in that aforementioned race that Country Lady was third in. Country Lady beaten seven lengths, Canada's Customs beaten four and three quarters lengths, so not a whole lot separating these top two. Uh, they are uh, two to one, three to one right now in the wagering. And splitting those two is number eight, Royal O'Hagan. 
Uh, it's spelled O apostrophe H A I G A I N. And I did not research this, so I hope it's Royal O'Hagan. And if it's not, we'll find out from John Dooley pretty shortly. Uh, David Terra, the trainer, Jose Rodriguez aboard, and Royal O'Hagan, or whatever it is, is coming out of state-bred steak races in her last two starts, and she was awful in both of those races. Um, speed figure-wise, not awful, but as far as uh, how close she was to winning, not so good. Now, I will say this. If you're somebody who strictly looks at speed figures, her speed figures, according to the ultimate past performances on brisnet.com, are every bit as good, if not better, than the other two who are getting played. So she, the races she's been running against state-bred stakes competition must be much tougher company than what she is going to see this afternoon. The last time she ran in this kind of optional claiming allowance race was five starts ago, last meet at Fairgrounds, and she was three to five and one by five and a half. So she's proven against this level of competition. They've been running her possibly over her head in three of her last four starts, all three of those three races, all against state-bred stakes competition, and she hasn't been real close in any of them. Uh, Dropping back down to friendlier skies, if you were, uh, if you will, and um, makes sense that she's getting played. Now, uh, she was 12 to 1 on the morning line. I don't know if that morning, uh, it, it doesn't look like a correct morning line now, especially with the fact that she's 2 to 1 and may actually be favored by the time they run this race. But uh, 12 to 1 seems too high, and 2 to 1 kind of seems too low to me. So we'll see what price Royal O'Hagan or Hagan or whatever it is is in this spot. Looking at the scenario of the pace in this race, you get speed from the one Miss Priority, speed from the two Country Lady. Uh, they both go uh, number seven, Summit Up. Looks like she has to fly early on to have every chance. The nine, Sienna Breeze, doesn't figure to be too far back. So uh, runners that can close, like Royal O'Hagan, should have some sort of a chance in this race. Canada's Customs, another one. She's not a stone closer. She's kind of a just a few lengths off the pace, three or four lengths back and trying to close. But they both should have plenty of pace to run at uh, in what looks like uh, should be a hotly contested early pace in this race. So they are uh, just getting in their final warm-ups as they approach the starting gate for the ninth and final at Fairgrounds. Uh, remind everybody, coming up at the top of the hour, Bob Nastanovich will join me for another edition of the Am Wager Weekend Stakes Preview. We're going to look at a dozen races taking place tomorrow. Now, uh, I, I will let you know this. We very much wanted to handicap opening day card at Santa Anita as part of tonight's Am Wager Weekend Stakes Preview. But as you probably heard, they just finished drawing the card uh, recently. The, the entries and the PPs were just put out within the last 30 minutes or so. And uh, although it may seem like some of our selections were made in the blink of an eye, we actually like to try to put some time and effort into it. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to uh, have time to handicap the Santa Anita races in time for tonight's Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. But fear not, we've got a dozen races we are going to look at tonight. They've got a four-bagger of stakes tomorrow at Gulfstream Park, making up an all-stakes pick four. And they have eight stakes tomorrow at the fairgrounds, including points qualifiers for next year's Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby with the uh, untappable and gun runner, respectively. So we're going to look at those 12 races 
on tonight's Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. All right, runners have uh, arrived at the starting gate for the ninth and final race on the card over at Fairgrounds. Uh, optional claiming allowance event were number two, Country Lady, number five, Canada's Customs, number 12, Royal O'Hagan are all getting the play. Everyone else would pay double digits and then some if they get the job done. Just waiting on number nine, Sienna Breeze, and number 10, Galaxy 36 to complete the line. And for the final time today, here's John Dooley. To the day, all in line. And the off. Miss Kennedy rockets away. Summit up, flashing that speed as they go up the back. And Canada's Customs moves up with the white cap. Miss Priority with a rail rush. It's Summit up. Summit up went to the lead for Olaf Hernandez. With Miss Priority chasing the pace, Canada's Customs lies in third. Then toward the inside is Country Lady in fourth, following her lovers never say in fifth. In the blue silks, Royal O'Hagan is sixth. Then comes Sienna Breeze, a wide seventh at the three and a half. Followed by Galaxy 36 after a sharp start, Miss Kennedy leads one. Ours and theirs trails here in the final finale. The quarter for Summit Up has thrown down the gauntlet in 21.89 seconds. The reigning force, Summit Up, coming toward the quarter pole. Leads Miss Priority, Canada's Customs. Then toward the inside, Country Lady with her bid. Royal O'Hagan end on the far outside, Sienna Breeze. These Phillies and Mares straighten away past the quarter pole in 45.29 seconds. Summit Up still. One for long to go. Miss Priority, two lengths in back of Summit Up, who's holding on to this advantage. Canada's Customs, Royal O'Hagan's running in fourth. Dead to the inside Lovers never say, country lady has given way. Sum it up has raced away with Olaf Hernandez. Sum it up. Sum it up scores by three and a half from Canada's Customs in a photo there for the runner-up spot along with Miss Priority and Royal O'Hagan. Sum it up has won it. Unofficially seven and a photo for the place and show positions between numbers one, five, and eight. Number seven, sum it up, breaks on top, never looks back, cruising to the wire, wire score covering the six furlongs in 111 flat, went off at 20 to one. All right, while we await those prices, let's go back to my favorite Breeders' Cup race of all time, the Breeders' Cup Classic. I'm not gonna tell you the year, but it's a while back. Let's get it. And they're off. And Ferdinand is out there early toward the inside. Candy's gold is sent. And Judge Angelucci, and they pass us for the first time, and it is Judge Angelucci now who's out to take the lead, but Candy's Gold is sticking right with them early. Corey Black trying to nurse that speed with him on the inside. Skywalker is up close early. He's a Saros four wide, a fleet is three wide, and toward the inside, it's good command. A gap of four, and Ferdinand has settled into seventh position, and Gulch is alongside him. Ali Sheba is now running in eighth. He's about nine lengths off the lead as they head for the back stretch. Bold arrangement trying to take hold of this track. Crypto clearance has one horse beaten and that is Nostalgia Star who is content to trail at this time as they move off the back stretch. Judge Angelucci and Candy's Gold moving together on the lead. The opening quarter went to 23 flat, 46 and 2 for the half. Those two are still going at it. Good command kept close to them toward the inside. He's a Charles running third and Ferdinand now has asked for more run. He'll need racing room though. He's on the inside fifth. Skywalker runs alongside him, and now Ali Shiva begins the roll from the back of the pack, and the fleet has dropped back. There's a half mile to run in this Breeders' Cup Classic, and it is Candy's goal toward the inside. Judge Angelucci and Ferdinand to pick him up now on the outside third. 
Uh, and the voice of Tom Durkin back in 1987, calling Ferdinand with Willie Shoemaker aboard for Charlie Whittingham, getting the narrow, uh, the narrow victory over Chris McCarron and Jack Van Berg's Ali Sheba. Once again, the two Kentucky Derby winners from 86 and 87 hitting the wire together. Ferdinand getting the job done. He was named champion older horse that year and horse of the year in 1987. In all, he won eight of his 29 career starts, was on the money, uh, in the money, 23 of 29 starts, made over $3.7 million in his career. He actually never won again after that Breeders' Cup Classic win. He ran six more times in 1988 and uh, hit the board in most of those races but did not get the win in any of them but he did get the win in what is my favorite Breeders' Cup race the Breeders' Cup Classic of 1987. All right owe you some prices from the finale over at Fairgrounds where a long shot number seven summed up went right to the lead and never looked back she is a five-year-old chestnut mare by some of the parts out of the Tabasco Cat Mare Cata Ballerina owned by Pendleton Larson Jr. and trained by Courtney Dandridge Jr., ridden by Olaf Hernandez I. Sum it up, paid $42.60, $14.20, and $7.80. Second five, Canada's Customs, $4.20, $3.20. Third one, Miss Priority, $3.60 to show. Fourth number eight, Royal O'Hagan. The Exacta, $203.20. The Tri, $223.20. The Dollar Super, $1,679.50. Nobody hit the pick six today. Out at Fairgrounds, if you are a Fairgrounds Pick 6 player, they have a carryover of just under $11,000 going into tomorrow's card. That's going to wrap up a fun edition of Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. want to remind everybody, first of all, opening day pass performances for Santa Anita are now out. They've got an 11 race card with an 11 a.m. Pacific time post time, so get your handicapping started. We've got the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview coming up three minutes from now. For our producer, Lee Delapina. I'm Bobby Newman. Stick around. Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview, three minutes.